Hello, I'm Rena Grobe. And I'm Madvi Romani. And this is Misinformed, a show where we'll be talking about our latest internet obsessions. So Rena, what did you get obsessed with this week? So this week, motherhood has been on my mind. This has been triggered by several things. One, the abortion ban in Poland. Also, Chrissy Teigen released an article where she sort of, for the very first time, very openly spoke about her miscarriage and what this means to her as a woman and as a mother. And so this week, I have just been thinking about motherhood. Specifically, you know, I'm a woman in her late 20s. This is usually a thing women are pestered about and that people expect of you around this age to start thinking about wanting to have children. It's interesting that, isn't it? Because people have stopped asking me because they're like, oh, she's clearly not going to have children by this point. Her eggs are old. But it's interesting, isn't it, that people always ask you or always have asked me, when are you having children? Not even, do you want to have children? It's just like, oh, so when are you having children? Like it's expected. Yeah, it's a given that you are going to have them. The question is when. And I think It's this idea that it's somehow natural that we must have children because women have wombs. Not all women have wombs, but that they have wombs and then therefore they are bound by their biology to have children. I guess I've always kind of been fortunate because I have very wonderful liberal parents who have never in any way, shape or form pressured me into thinking that I should have kids. My friend's mother just had a baby. But she said something to me interesting. She was like, oh my God, now this takes the pressure off me because my mom was bugging me about when I was going to have kids. And I was like, lay off women. A woman called Christine Overall. She teaches philosophy at Queen's University in Ontario. And she published this book called Why Have Children? The Ethical Debate. She approaches the question from a really morally rigorous sort of analysis. She dismisses this notion that childbearing is natural and therefore it needs no justification because she says, well, there are many urges apparently arising from our biological nature that we nonetheless should choose not to act upon. And if we're going to keep having kids, we ought to be able to come up with a reason. So it's a choice like any other and you have to decide whether you want it or not. Just because you've got a womb and you've got the capability of doing it doesn't mean that, you know, you do it, which is what a lot of people assume. And then because she's a philosopher, she goes through all of the philosophical arguments. I mean, I'm not much of a rebel, but also the second someone tells me to do something, I automatically want to do the opposite of it. So if you live in a society where the expectation is that you will have children, my first instinct is to be like, well, I don't want to do that. Don't tell me what to do. Again, I'm not a rebel, really. <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good thing for us also as women when society tells you to do something to be like, yeah, but why? Yeah. Because society is trying to manipulate or coerce or control us in many different ways as women. And it's not entirely always to our benefit. Yeah. When you don't have a child, it's referred to as voluntarily childlessness. And I think the implication there, even with our languages, is that the natural state of being is to have children. Thus, if you don't have children, this is a choice you've made, right? Yeah, another term that is being used, which is a bit better, is child-free. So child-free women, yeah. so they are free of children, which is a bit more positive. And also in line with us being a child-free woman, I do feel very free. Like I don't have to get up, care for somebody every single day. Mm-hmm make all of my financial decisions, my holiday decisions, what I'm going to eat decisions, what I'm doing for the entire day, everything based on another human being. I feel 
child-free. So according to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, the word child-free first appeared sometime before 1901, but the portrayal of parenthood with skepticism in mass media is very much a modern-day phenomenon. The availability of reliable contraception along with support in old age by the government rather than by one's family has made this phenomenon of childlessness or being child-free much more of a prevalent option and also has helped shape the fact that communities are looking at it differently. I just honestly, I kind of have complicated feelings around having children and children and whatnot because I actually legitimately like children. I have a niece and nephew who I like a lot. I I love them. I'm obsessed with my niece. She's the best child on earth. But again, going back to being a little bit of unwilling to do what everyone always tells me to do. But at the same time, I kept thinking, I'm 29 now and I am in no position financially, emotionally, just very little stability in my life. And given the state of the world, given the state of corona, the economy, things like that are never going to change. And I always thought, I never want to have a child unless I can sort of offer them the same life my parents offered me. And the way that things are looking, it's probably not going to be an option. And then do I really want to force myself to ever have a child in a situation where I don't feel like it? Because I like sleeping in late and I'm very grumpy in the morning and I have weird eating habits and maybe I'm just low-key a little bit too selfish at this point in my life to have kids. Maybe I'll never stop being this selfish. And I think that's okay because I think that this idea that women have to be nurturing and loving. Can we talk about the word selfish for a minute? Absolutely. So in this Guardian article where a woman is actually writing about her decision to be child-free, she points out that Pope Francis, who is a lifelong celibate, has said, the choice not to have children is selfish. Life rejuvenates and acquires energy when it multiplies. It is enriched, not impoverished. Which the author finds bewildering, and actually so do I. Because how can it be selfish not to want? Why does it bother anyone if that person refrains? It's been pointed out that the best way for an individual in the developed world to reduce their carbon footprint is not to have children because one child in the developed world takes as much resources as probably 10 children in other countries. So then she's like, hey, wouldn't it be way more selfless of me to go and sponsor an entire orphanage in another country then than my money there that I would spend on the child. And also, she points out what could be selfish about wanting to live your own life, one in which you're not electing to take care of a hypothetical, doesn't even exist child. And as a woman, we are expected to look after others, to nurture, to mother, a child most often plus anyone else who could use our time. So the most uncontroversial kind of woman is one who is devoted to caretaking. So you saying that you don't want to take care of other people and you think that's selfish, whereas Pope Francis doesn't think he's selfish. It's so ingrained in us. And Mm -hmm. this idea of, and I think so many mothers also feel so much guilt and shame around if they can't devote everything to their children. They're expected to give everything to their children. But why? Yeah, I mean, the same expectation is not made of fathers. It's definitely one that is made of mothers. This actually comes from a thing called the cult of domesticity, or sometimes called the cult of true womanhood. It's a term that used by historians to describe what they consider to have been the prevailing system that emerged in the 19th century. And it's a value system that emphasizes the new ideas of femininity, that a woman's role within the home and the dynamics of work and family 
and that a true woman, according to these ideas, were supposed to possess four virtues, purity, domesticity, submissiveness, and piety. And so that these ideas sort of revolve around the idea that a woman is the center of the family, she's considered to be like the light of the home. And this is where this idea of women being nurturing and taking care of everyone sort of stems from, this sort of cult that developed. And specifically, this idea of being domestic and that like a woman's proper place was in the home and her role as a wife was to cater to her husband and children, you know, this idea of cooking and needlework, making beds, just like all of these things that were defined as female activities and specifically mm. looking after children and being there for their children. So like apart from the, you use the word selfish, but you also pointed out that you're in no position at the moment. And it has been pointed out that we're in late capitalism right now, where our communities and everything, we're not organized in a way that encourages childbearing because it doesn't actually benefit us either for our careers for example if we take a time out to have children it's financially detrimental to us especially as women and we don't get the support from our communities and the government and everything that we need so then it doesn't actually make sense in the society we're living in practically to have children mm. but another guy has written another point of view his name is Brian Kaplan and he wrote this book called Selfish Reasons to Have More Kids Why Being a Great Parent is Less Work and More Fun Than You Think and he says he's a professor at George Mason University that the major mistake that parents or prospective parents make is kind of that they overvalue the present so people in their 20s and 30s don't save enough money for their retirement because it seems like such a long way off. So what he's saying is couples need to think about how many children they might want when they're older. So he makes this analysis of how many children do you want around in general to come and visit you when you're retired? How many grandchildren do you want? If you have two kids, maybe it's not going to work out. Maybe they're not going to have kids. The ideal number that he comes out with is three based on his calculation. You want to have three kids so that you have enough grandkids? Sorry, mom and dad, they have three kids and they ain't getting no grandkids from me. <laughs> but this is the thing. They've got three kids and one has got grandkids. Yeah, my sister So his calculation kids. is right. Yeah. And he also says, maybe you shouldn't worry about money and all of that kind of stuff. You should just have them now because of a bunch of studies that have shown that actually because of the gene swamp, <laughs> parenting on traits you know, ranging from health to intelligence and all that kind of stuff, your parenting doesn't really affect those outcomes that much. So you just have them. And according to him, as long as you don't lock them in the closet, that child will be okay or not. It's just like there's so many other factors at play. So according to like a study that he's quoting, it doesn't matter if you feed them at weird times and do all the stuff that you say you do what you do doesn't really make much of a difference. I was watching this TED talk by therapist Julia de Avezido Hanks. She has a really interesting TED talk called The Cost of Idealizing Motherhood. And she says something similar in her TED talk about how she was worried that she was going to accidentally traumatize her kids, that she was going to fuck them up or she was going to do something. And then she realized that that was going to happen inevitably, not like happen inevitably, but Regardless of whether she tried to or not, she was going to mess up. She was going to do something wrong. So as long as you're not doing it intentionally, you need to stop worrying about it. Yeah, of course. As long as you're not abusive, they're going to be kind of okay, right? Yeah. But it's interesting, this Kaplan approach and the word selfish, because he's like, okay, in your 20s and 30s, yeah, you're really busy, your career, because of 
the way we our society is like I said in career paths and all that we're the busiest it's the hardest time of our careers we've got the least money but that's when you should actually have the kids because it's like a long-term thing because then by the time you're 40 50 it just makes more sense that everything's going to fall into the right place so you should just have them but thinking about the future in this case you're just thinking about what your ideal future is and not the future of the planet and what we're doing with procreating and you're making decisions on the future of the human population so i think it's less selfish to think about those things and think about what's best for the planet mm-hmm. is less selfish than having the children Somebody else who wrote a book, his name is David Benatar, he's a professor at the University of Cape Town. He also looks at this issue from a philosophical point of view. He says, if we saw all the harm, that because the Pope Francis view is you are depriving people of pleasure, but those people don't actually exist right now. But then if we take that approach, if we saw all the harm that we were doing by having children and put a stop, we would put a stop to it then the world's population would drop to zero. And for him, this is the best outcome because humans have the unfortunate distinction of being the most destructive and harmful species on Earth. He writes, The amount of suffering in the world would be radically reduced if there were no more. It's also interesting, this Pope Francis thing of that you're reducing the amount of potential happiness. So from a philosophical point of view in this book that overall wrote, she just rejects this because non-existent people have no moral standing but then second once you accept that you should have a baby in order to increase the world's total happiness how do you know when to stop right (laughs) so if one kid eating an ice cream represents x amount of added pleasure in that case two kids eating ice cream represents two times that pleasure two times x and then four kids is two times x and so on but then the family with eight kids could maybe afford to buy ice cream only half as often than the one with four. But then if you continue going with this, obviously people like Pope Francis think that things would be even better if parents kept on pumping out kids. But if you take it to it, if you take it to what's known in academic circles as the repugnant conclusion, this keeps on going until eventually the happiness in each individual would start to approach nil. Because if you generalize the process, the world would then team with more and more people who are leading less and less satisfying lives. And then plus, of course, the obligation of women to just put happiness into the world makes them into procreative serfs, which is basically what has happened like in Poland and stuff. They just think women are there to put out children to make life and that their happiness doesn't matter, just the happiness of non-existent even humans yet. I think that's part of the thing that really bugs me about the abortion debate is that you often hear this argument about what about what if the child you aborted this is oh such a dumb argument cures cancer because it's such a tunnel vision view of the way illness works like you can find one cure for cancer anyway but and I was thinking like well what about the mother who you know you're now forcing to have a child what if her future would be completely different what if she could have cured cancer had she not you know like it's you're not really valuing her as a person you're just valuing her as a function And also, if you think about the woman's life, because we're talking about happiness in the world and her life, first of all, her career is going to suffer financially, like I said, it's going to be a detriment. Um, In 2004, the Nobel Prize winning psychologist David Kahneman asked 900 working women to assess their experiences during the preceding day. 
and the women rated the time that they spent taking care of their children as less enjoyable than the time they spent doing every other thing, shopping, eating, exercising, watching TV, preparing food, and talking on the phone. The only exercise that they found less enjoyable than caring for their children was doing housework, which is basically cleaning up after them. And then couples with children are frequently less happy, more stressed than people you know, without children. So it does decrease your happiness. And then there was another study recently that kind of put this more into context, which said, yes, while they have the children, the children are young, they have more stress and they're unhappier. But later on in life, which is the Kaplan argument, they were happier together. I think that's because, you know, they no longer had children in the house. <laughs> They've just know. come to visit, you know. My parents have these friends and they do not have children. And I see their life. And let me tell you, I mean, it's a little different now during Corona, but before that, they would, you know, they work, they're semi-retired, they go on these wonderful vacations, you see them in the morning, and they'll be sitting on their terrace, reading the newspaper in the complete quiet. I don't know, their life looks so nice and peaceful, and I'm sure that's like, it's not always like that, but I just keep thinking, how much money did they save? They go on vacations, they can do whatever they want. I'm not trying to make the argument against having no, children. No, but that's, that's actually my... For me, that sounds really ideal. And what's really funny is when you just say the words childless couple and couple with loads of children, one is a really like sad, lonely existence and the other one was a really full, happy existence. So that's why a lot of women are tricked into having children and they want that image. And then there was this big movement that happened where women just recently, for the first time ever started talking about the fact that they actually regretted having children. They felt trapped by it. It wasn't what they imagined at all. I talked to somebody very recently who had a child and was like, how is it then, you know, having a child? She was like, it's nothing how you would imagine it to be. It's not that she regrets it. She was just saying, like, you're doing things the entire day, but you're achieving nothing and you're constantly tired. She was like, obviously it's joyful and I love him to bits, but nobody ever gives you that picture of utter exhaustion mm -hmm. and your life spent on all those small, small things and obviously the money and the stress and the worry. And then if you have children and they have behavioral issues, if they have learning difficulties, if they have disabilities, that's never painted in the ideal view of things. Mm -hmm. And it's never shown and it's never talked about, a bit like miscarriage. It's not honest. The same therapist, Julia de Azevedo Hanks, she has coined a term that she calls aspirational shame and she defines aspirational shame as the belief that my desire for achievement outside of the home meant that I was not a good woman not a good mother not a good wife and not a good person she sort of goes on to elaborate on when she had her first kid at 21 she got married at 20 she had all these desires and all these goals and she felt shame around the fact that being a mother wasn't the thing that fulfilled her because she'd been raised to believe that being a mom is the end all goal she sort of expands upon this idea that, yeah, we're, we're robbing women of their joy as humans, but that we're, we're placing such guilt and such shame. I feel like there's a lot of new mothers who also will, they'll, you know, feel the guilt of leaving their kids, leaving their child with a babysitter or putting them into school because, you know, they're supposed to want to be with their kids. Women feel such guilt about leaving their kids at home, whereas that's not ever something that we put upon men. When a woman looks after her kids, it's considered normal. 
But when a man looks after the kids, he's babysitting. Oh yeah, he's doing a great job. How lucky are you that he's actually doing his stuff? Corinne Meyer, a French psychoanalyst and a writer, and she's a mother of two in Brussels, she wrote 10 years ago, nearly 10 years ago, when this sort of mother's actually saying how they felt and expressing their regret or their guilt or that or saying candidly how their experience was rather than this kind of idealized thing she wrote no kids 40 reasons not to have children among the 40 reasons one of them is being forced to adopt the idiot language of children and inevitably being disappointed by your offspring but anyway this book was described by reviewers as guess the word a selfish and cathartic display and incredibly distasteful. That's how, how much people just cannot handle a person saying what their experience is with motherhood because it's so sacred. And that's also to do with religion, right? I guess it's Mary, it's like the most sacred image. Yeah. Also, the, in this New York article, it's really funny. One of the philosophers or someone pointed out that naturally we all see motherhood or not even motherhood, parenthood and procreation as a really positive thing because by kind of evolution and the way things go the people who don't have children their view or their way of being just dies out with them we are naturally all products of society and people who actually thought it was a good idea to procreate so in general the bias is that it's a good idea to procreate because all these other people did not and they've just died and they didn't pass on there i was talking to a friend of mine along those lines and she was saying yes but all the ignorant, uneducated people are going to have children and pass their ignorant views on to people. So maybe as progressive, people should have kids so that we can pass our progressive views on. I mean, there is something to that because another article in The Guardian somewhere said that there's a correlation between the smarter a woman is, the higher intelligence that she has, the less likely she is to have children. We were once, I hope my mom doesn't mind me telling the story, we were once in her bathroom and she turns to me and looks at me and goes, never have children, they ruin your body. Yeah, my friend Meredith always says, what they don't tell you about having kids is that for the rest of your life, when you laugh real hard, you'll just pee a little bit in your pants. Yeah, I think there's so many things about the physical act of having a baby that people don't talk about, because it's so, I don't want to say horrible, but kind of gruesome. In her special on Netflix, Ali Wong tells a story about how when she was in the or when she was going into the hospital to have her first child, her friend told her, when you leave, make sure to take as many diapers as you can. And she goes, oh, for the baby. And her friend goes, no, for you. And up until that point, nobody had told her that for days, weeks after having a child, stuff just keeps coming out of you. Yeah, I remember when those two friends I had that were pregnant last year and both of them for the first three months were sick all the time and felt awful, awful. And they said nobody ever said, they said, oh, morning sickness. It's not even in the morning, it's the entire day, it's the whole entire period constantly that they just feel often sick. So nobody told them that skipped over it like they skipped over pregnancy and motherhood and what it really is what it really means i listened to this podcast called you can sit with us and one of the women on the podcast is pregnant and she talks about how before this pregnancy she actually had a miscarriage and she didn't talk to anyone about it or like it just how miscarriages aren't talked about and she brought it up to her best friend and her best friend was like oh my god i also had one and how there's this weird shame around having a miscarriage when it's literally you can't do anything about it. So according to The Guardian, 
up to 20% of pregnancies end in miscarriage, and yet most women never reveal that they had one. Miscarriage kind of is the last taboo around motherhood, isn't it? Because it's not something you can help. It's not your fault. It's not the pregnant person's fault, and yet... Yeah, everyone does feel guilty and shame around it. There have been quite a few articles about that. Also, the way that we deal with pregnancy society is that generally you don't actually tell anyone that you're pregnant until the first trimester, I guess. And that's generally when miscarriages happen, which means that there's silence at that time. And the woman, like, you know, what you were saying with her best friend, she hasn't shared that news that she's pregnant yet, which means that they're shrouded in silence at that time. So they have to process it alone, which is the time when they should not do that. I also think that like mothers and identity is kind of a thing because you're mom now and that's your identity. It's like a catch-all term for everyone. I don't know, that loss of identity kind of freaks me out. Mm. I remember when Kim Kardashian did this sexy photo shoot after having her first child and there was like a bunch of backlash and quotation marks where people were like, that's no way for a mother to behave. And you're like, she hasn't lost her identity as a person. She's still a woman. She's still a She's still Kim being. Kardashian. Yes. She's going to do that. Just because she's a mum now doesn't mean she's going to act. There's the expectation. Right? There's the expectation of like, oh, you know, that goes back to this idea of idealized motherhood. Now you are just this, you know, Mary-like figure where your only point is to serve your children and your identity's gone. And I mean, I, I want to say... I say I don't want to lose my identity because I like myself too much. It's a bit of an overstatement. But do you know what I mean? I was like, I still want to be a person. And I think that until we, in a society, find a way to stop reducing women down to a bunch of stereotypes and to strip them of their identity, I'd rather rebel against anything society has in store for me and be a heathen who eats disgusting food and sleeps till noon. In light of this episode, we thought that it would be nice to ask our mothers for their three top tips in life. Yeah, three things to be a better human. For my mom, her tip number one is look after yourself and others. Thing number two is learn to accept what life gives you and make the most of it. And thing number three is very practical, save for the future. My mom sent hers to me in German, so I will translate. Be careful when choosing a job and a partner. If there are things you want to do, do them and do not put them off. And as a woman and or a mother, do not give up your career. Thank you very much, moms. We love you. And thank you all for listening. We'll see you again next week. Goodbye. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share it with your friends. And if you like, you can share your internet obsessions with us. Tweet us at the underscore miss underscore informed or follow us on Instagram at the underscore miss underscore informed. You can also send us an email at misinformed.podcast at gmail.com. You can also listen and subscribe via YouTube. For news about the show or upcoming events and links to all our sources, references, and other geeky inspiration, subscribe to our newsletter. You can find the link via our Instagram. We are an independent non-profit podcast. If you would like to show us some love, you can make a one-off donation via our SoundCloud or support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash misinformed. Thank you for listening. Until next time, goodbye.